Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. My name is Cutter, though you may know me as Three Bears in a Coat on Air on HD1, and welcome to this episode of You'll Never Believe Me But. Believe Me But is a storytelling podcast being produced here at WKNC about lying to me. Every episode I have a guest on and they tell me two stories, one real and one fake, and I have to decide which is real between them. For those of you that are new here, or for those of you that need a quick refresher, I'm going to run down the three rules we have here before we get into today's episode. Rule number one, your story should not do significant damage to anyone else or their character. We're not trying to be outwardly mean to anyone other than ourselves. Rule number two, if someone else is featured in the story, you must either have their permission to say their name or use a fake name for them. You agreed to come on the show and tell these stories, but unless they agreed to have these stories told, just use a fake name. And rule number three, and this is the easiest one, all stories should start with, you'll never believe me, but, and then a brief synopsis before starting the story, just so we all know what we're getting into, and is a nice little nod to the show's title. So with all of that housekeeping stuff out of the way, Let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Today's guest is Amanda, a friend of the station and someone I'm excited to get to know as this is the first time we've met. Amanda, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here. I was a college radio nerd myself, so it's wonderful to be in a studio again. Awesome. Where did you go to college? What radio station? undergrad I went to George Washington University so in DC and Ooh. we had very very this is so much cooler we had very little bandwidth <laughs> to get very far <laughs> so I don't think even all the dorms were covered oh <laughs> by the radio station <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it definitely did not have the listenership that WKNC has <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm very lucky WKNC is sizable and it's got a long enough history that I think that Absolutely. that definitely helps. That's awesome. Well, I'm very glad to have you back in the studio then. Uh, I was told that you have rehearsed your stories over a, a long drive on the way down. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So I live in Michigan, technically, and I used to live here in Raleigh and work at NC State. But now I live in Michigan and I am here visiting and so we went to Atlantic Beach for the last couple of days. Nice. And that was pretty incredible. Yeah, I got a little beach time and Amazing. it was it wasn't busy, so that was especially nice. Wow. So yeah, I had some time on the beach and swimming and Patrick caught two sharks, which was very exciting. And little Patrick baby sharks. Your boyfriend. My boyfriend, yep. Awesome. That's awesome. And so on the way back from Atlantic State to here, you rehearsed your stories with Patrick, is that true? Listen to the second episode of this podcast, which was wonderful. Thank you. Thank and you. It was great to hear. And so we listened to that, and I just was like, okay, I had a bunch of different ideas mm -hmm. and just kind of narrowed them down and talked through what was, you know, what was going to be most believable as my fake story. <laughs> Amazing. That puts, I feel like that's a lot of pressure on me now. <laughs> like, like the stakes are so high. Everyone's getting so into it, which I am. <laughs> All four, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely. It is a great challenge. It's like t storytelling is so much more challenging than I ever thought it was anyway. Oh, I, yeah. I, um, you know, I, I think I'm a natural storyteller, but I had to prepare for the moth one time. I did the moth on NPR. Oh, wow. Once, Amazing. Um, and it was incredibly mentally challenging just to, they, you know, you can't do use any notes at all. Yeah. And my story was about 12 minutes. 
And so you just would, you know, practice with picturing what was happening and talking about it. And it was a grand challenge, um, but but really fun. So I'm excited to be here. This is a really fun idea. And I like can't wait till I get to guess about yours. <laughs> oh, I'm very excited. I, I think that that's going to be the most interesting is to see the development <laughs> of it over time by the end of the season. Um so you you talked about the moth. You do a lot of speaking, is that right? What all where all do you speak? What all do you do? Absolutely. So I speak a lot to medical students and nursing students and just to regular groups of people and teach them about different medical topics, um, mostly about ovarian cancer. And I'm also um, always just kind of working on projects that you know, put me where I'm trying to raise awareness or as an advocate for a particular political issue. I do a lot of work on policy and things like that, too. So amazing. That's so impressive. Well, I'm honored to have a NPR featured storyteller here on my podcast. (laughs) Unless you have any questions for me, we can go ahead and jump right into it. I'm very excited. Sounds good. You will never believe me, but I was diagnosed with cancer on a trip to Nicaragua and they had to get me to the hospital by emergency boat. Emergency <laughs> boat is amazing. And wow, I don't I don't even know where to start with that unpacking it. I think the best way to start is just to let you tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. So um in my my professional career, sure. I've always run service and leadership centers at different universities. So Ooh. like Helping nerds save the world is kind of my specialty, (laughs) right? And I love getting to take students abroad on service trips. You know, often it's called like alternative breaks at different schools and things like that. So a lot of people have done programs like that. We have them here at NC State that are amazing to go on to. And I got one summer, I had an incredible experience where I got to take 15 of my Stanford students at the time abroad to Nicaragua for like about eight weeks. My goodness, that's a long time. It was pretty much the whole summer. And the really cool part was it was all themed around like um, natural medicine and just understanding kind of medicine in the context of this developing country and in this different context. And so a lot of these students were really intense type A pre-med students. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so even preparing to travel with them was sometimes challenging. I would imagine, <laughs> yeah. Even down to like, what do you pack becomes like a whole exercise. Oh, yeah, certainly. <laughs> Being prepared and everything. But, you know, you get to know people really well during an experience like that. Absolutely. I mean, eight weeks is a long time. A long time. And we're living together in home stays. Oh, wow. Sure, so yeah. It was usually like two or three of us at each in particular house mm-hmm. that we would stay with a family right. in Nicaragua. Sure. And what was really amazing is we were on this island called Isla Ometepe, which is in the middle of Lake Nicaragua. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And it's, you know, it's all volcanic. Yeah. Beautiful jungle, volcanic jungle. But this island is pretty remote. It's actually, there's some statistics back then they used to say that about 40% of the people who lived on the island had never left the island. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and this trip was was when? Just Oh, sure. This was 2008. 2008. Okay, Summer amazing. 2008. And it was just a beautiful, we were having an incredible experience. A lot of what we were doing was like giving um, vaccinations yeah. 
to kids all around. We would have these like um, health fairs that we would set up and we would give um, vacciones para los niños, (laughs) you know, and um, uh, we would also help. They would we would set up for nurses and doctors to be able to give women checks for cervical cancer was really big, which is like my favorite Spanish word. It's Papa Nicolau. Like Papa Nicolau means like a pap smear. That's amazing. <laughs> so, that's, that's like my favorite Spanish word to this day. But we would do all these things and we got to work on like a medicinal tea farm. Just wow. incredible experiences. Absolutely. And and really got to understand the country and the people and and just kind of see that there are so many different ways people think about medicine and think about health. And, you know, a lot of what we do, even in our Western culture, you know, drinking water and resting are two of the very best things you can do for almost any problem. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that you have, no matter what. Sure. So it, it was really cool because there were things that, you know, we maybe wouldn't think of first in our in our medicine culture, but that we learned our staples in this other country where a lot of people are also really well trained in medicine and just have different viewpoints and things like that. Yeah. So it was incredibly cool this experience. And then there was this one day. <laughs> you know, it has to come to that. I mean, of, of course, every trip does. <laughs> and I started to feel the worst pain. I have ever, we were out volunteering. Sure. We were kind of at this natural medicine hospital and it's, it is a, technically a hospital, but they don't have like surgical gotcha. suites and stuff. Okay. And it's also a place where it's not like a sterile. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Kind of situation. Sure. Like they don't have all the, all the sterile gloves and all the sterile things that you need to really do surgery and things right. like that. Yeah. So it's a hospital, but not for every kind of condition. Absolutely. Sure. And so the main hospitals are not on the island because this is a small island in the middle of a lake. Right. Naturally. (laughs) Absolutely. So we were having a regular day volunteering. This was after lunch. And I just felt this pain. And it was a pain cutter that was so bad. (laughs) You know, I don't know if you've ever been to the hospital and they've asked you, like, what number on the pain scale? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this was a 10. Oh, Wow, that's insane. And I have had all sorts of things happen to me over the years. And a ten, I will never say 10 again, I hope. Because 10 <laughs> oh my was goodness. like, it was so bad that it either had to stop or I knew I was going to pass out. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah, no, I, I maybe hit like four, but <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah, uh, I had a really bad break and a dislocated elbow once. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know, that was a really nasty looking one. And that was like a seven. So a 10 was tremendous. Yeah. And so the next thing I know, I'm on the ground. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I did pass out. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) it hurt so bad. That is fair. And you'll notice I'm really good at laughing at cancer stories at this point, too. Right. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Because this was also a long time ago. Right. Right. And so I'm feeling this pain. I'm I'm passing out and I realize, okay, what are we going to do? Because I'm the one in charge. I'm the adult. Yeah, yeah. With 15 college students. Oh, my goodness. And I'm used to being the one to take care of them. And at ah. this point, I'd had I'd had a student get dengue fever, oh my goodness. you know, and that was like super stressful. We had ah. to like go to the hospital and um, I had to take him back and forth between this hospital and this medical doctor because 
like they had to do a certain test at one place and then they couldn't read the test at that place. They read it at the Jeez. other place. So we spend like days going back and oh forth on the goodness. bus. So I knew that this was like, I'm literally laying there and I'm thinking, uh oh, I'm going to really have to get some help. And yeah. I don't know that I'm going to be able to get it on this island. Right. Yeah. And it's still hurting like crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so very quickly they said, okay. We've got to we've got to do something. And immediately the doctor came out who we had been working with, this naturopathic doctor. Sure, sure. And she said, we've got to get you off the island. And so yeah. one student who to this day I am so thankful for. <laughs> right. Um, absolutely. We will call him Zach. Zach. And Zach is now actually legitimately an infectious disease doc doctor wow amazing <laughs> so he i gave him a little bit of a test yeah. <laughs> on the way <laughs> yeah but he came with me in amazing. the boat and it was a driver of the boat who we didn't know sure yeah and it was one person like a kind of like a medical assistant that we worked with regularly okay. yeah so somebody that we knew and we right. knew spoke both english and spanish um, okay great and we had you know my spanish listening skills are pretty good sure but my speaking skills aren't really confident back okay. then yeah so it was it was like zach was a great bilingual speaker too and awesome. so there were so i felt this terrible pain but i felt like okay we're getting in this boat we're happening now this is not like a big boat no, We're no. We're talking a little speedboat. <laughs> <laughs> and the good news is there were only four of us and it went really fast. Right. Yep. Right? Yep. But then we had to get there and then we had to find, okay, how are we going to get actually from there to the hospital? Yeah. So they were literally from the island calling ahead to try to make sure there was somebody wow. that could get an ambulance right there to take me to the hospital. Right? Yeah. And so you just think of like how many people had to be doing all of these things because yeah. the infrastructure is not like we have here. Oh, no. <laughs> I, would, I mean, I would imagine. So there's all these people working behind the scenes to help me get to this hospital, yeah. which is in a more major city sure. in Managua. Sure. And so we get to Managua and um, they basically find out very quickly, okay, that first they think, oh, this is appendicitis. Okay. And yep. then they think, oh, it's a kidney stone. Okay. Also bad. Yes. But it's neither of those things because they start giving me more and more IV pain medication. Mm -hmm. And they realize, oh, this really is a 10 on the pain scale because she's in so much pain. She's still awake. Wow. Even though they were giving me these drugs that kind of should have knocked me out a little Jeez, bit. Yeah. And so then they did this um, other test that's like a kind of ultrasound, and they realized I had this thing called ovarian torsion. Okay. Now, this is a 10 on the pain scale. This is when you have a fallopian tube with an ovary on the end, and the ovary has twisted. Oh. And so the pain you feel is actual gangrene. Oh, my God. <laughs> That is horrifying. <laughs> like internally, <laughs> oh. gangrene is happening and your organ is dying because there's no blood flow. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so that's what the crazy pain was. Yeah. And so, you know, then they had to make this decision to they said, oh, it's no big deal. All we do now that we know what it is, is we make these little laparoscopic cuts. We go inside, we untwist your ovary oh, and then you're done. Easy peasy. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> But basically, it didn't happen like that. 
they had to, because they noticed when they tried to go in and just really simply look at it, they noticed it had all these tumors. Oh, my goodness. So they actually had to cut me open hip to hip. Oh. And I woke up in a faraway country. Yeah. At the time, I was by myself because my student who was with me was like in a waiting room, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I don't have any contacts in because they make you take those out when surgery happens. Yep. 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 Of course. <laughs> so I can see like nothing. Sure. <laughs> and that's, and, and I was like, and then, you know, I found out, oh, it's, you know, they did a, um, they do like a frozen biopsy while you're in surgery. They like um, basically do this quick, immediately they freeze part of the tumor and they cut it oh, gotcha, so that okay. they can look right then and say, okay, this looks like cancer or no, it doesn't. Gotcha. So that they can kind of like figure out what direction you're going next. Right. right? Sure. And so they said, okay, this is cancer. So wow. I was still like working on a trip abroad yeah, yeah. <laughs> with 15 students. How many, like, how many weeks in are we? Because we have the whole, like, the whole, like, somebody else already had to go to the hospital. So how yeah. many, how, how far along are we in this? Almost to the end. So oh, we were, okay. like, okay. in, we maybe had six days left. Okay, okay. Six days is imminently survivable. Yes. Except for me, I had about 12 more days left because I had to stay in the hospital. Right. Of course. (laughs) But luckily, by that time, the students were, you know, we had we also had in-country staff like from the organization that we worked with. Sure. And so they didn't need to, like, send anybody else in to to help out or anything. They just, you know, they they may do and they were already all settled kind of with knowing how to do everything they needed to do in the country and everything. Sure, yeah. So we were just winding down. But um, I did hear about a few crazy things that happened on the trip after I was in the hospital. <laughs> but I later was like, oh, yeah, you thought you could get away with that. Of course. When the, when, the, when the one staff is away. <laughs> That's so yeah, funny. The craziest one was um, this wonderful girl on our trip who was a um, she was always in the junior Miss pageants. She was yeah, like a yeah, pageant yeah. girl. Okay, sure. And she literally, they were on the beach in this this town called San Juan del Sur in yeah. Nicaragua. Yeah. And she fire twirled a baton. Awesome. <laughs> <gasps> That's so cool. Because I guess she knew she could do that. Yeah. I mean, but, hey. But it's one of those things that as like the person in charge of her health and safety, oh, I would have been not. like, over my dead body, are you twirling a baton <laughs> with fire? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was over your hospitalized body, if that makes it any Absolutely. better. <laughs> so they really enjoyed telling me those stories once yeah. we all got back to campus. Absolutely. <laughs> and the fall started again. That's so funny. I would imagine for for a group of, like, you said like a dozen, how many? Type A Stanford pre-med students who you said, like, if packing is a big ordeal, I would imagine that your staff member who's there with you Going to the hospital with eventually what turned out to be cancer would be a, a, a little more stressful, I would think. Absolutely. And, and they were so sweet. They were so worried about me. But at the Aww. same time, it was so incredible because we were learning about all of these medical and health issues. Yeah. yeah. And these were like the kind of students who all wanted to become doctors or some other kind of health right, professionals. Right. And so it's very strange, but knowing them as I do this many years later, it's like 13 years later. Sure, yeah, yeah. I know 
that they are the right people to that became doctors. Because yeah, like they were there for me at a time when I was at my worst. Oh, absolutely. That's you know? amazing. Yeah. I was married at the time, and you can imagine how scary it must have been for oh him goodness. back in San Francisco yeah. being like, oh, wow. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it works out. Luckily, we had this um, a lot of universities do this. We had like a special kind of insurance that sure. like gives you access to these international doctors. And so you have, oh, sure. you can like call these people to make sure that everything that's happening is like, in line with the like what we would do in the United States right. and stuff like sure. that. Yeah. So and I would and frankly there's very, very well trained doctors there. So I was oh, in yeah. incredible hands. Sure. Um but it was it was pretty exciting. It was yeah, a little too exciting. I would imagine. <laughs> a little too exciting. <laughs> and you definitely don't know what it's like. I mean very few people have experienced that level of pain oh, yeah. in a boat with like you're getting wet because it's like a speedboat yeah, going no, really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a very harrowing experience. We're like bumping in along the lake. Oh my goodness! Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was a lot. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a lot. Well, thank you to Doctor Zach, now Doctor Zach, for <laughs> yes. for that. Wow, what a what a what a life saving thing. Yeah. And he was just a freshman back then. Oh, my goodness. What? If he doesn't tell that story at every party he goes to, <laughs> I would be disappointed. I'm sure he does, actually, because he's the one that also got Gendendigy fever <laughs> earlier. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not? And this, The crazy thing with that was I was in the hospital with him when yeah, they said, sure. it looks like you have dengue fever, which, you know, to an American sounds like a big deal. But in Nicaragua, it's like... Like, whatever. Just a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not. Because it's something that unfortunately is so common there. Right. They just, they just go with it. Yeah. yeah. And so what they told me, you know, and my Spanish was pretty good at the time, but they said something and I look over to Zach because his Spanish was really good. And I said, did they just tell me to watch to see if your eyes start bleeding? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Amazing. so it was like, oh, my goodness. And it was just one of those experiences in life where you're like, I can't believe this is my job. Yeah, that was, And that's your job. <laughs> wow. And I had to call his parents and tell yeah. them he had dengue fever. I mean, that was that's very scary. Terrifying. <laughs> I think, yeah, I cannot imagine doing that. Absolutely. Oh like a freshman goodness. in college. Yeah, you can like, totally imagine. Yeah, you're like, hey, your kid has been in college for a year. <laughs> they went to Nicaragua. They want to be a doctor. Also, his eyes might start bleeding here in a minute. <laughs> but I'm watching for but it. But I'm watching for it. So we'll be good <laughs> if, if it happens. That is terrifying. Yeah. And so that harrowing. started the, um, you know, almost 13-year journey I've been on since. Yeah. Wow. I would imagine. What an exciting start, though. I mean, to, <laughs> to not the best... You know, story in the first place. But that's exciting, to say the least. Exciting, absurd. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it fit really well without you won't believe me, but. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is difficult to believe just by the facts of the story. That's yeah, perfect. Exactly the kind of story we're looking for. That's amazing. Good, good. <laughs> You'll never believe me, but in 2015, I was left for dead by medical science and I went on my hashtag not dead yet tour and I've been on it ever since. Yeah. I wish I wish that this was a video cast right now. I am mouth agape, eyes wide. That yeah, please, please. So I did 
just, it was, I had just finished some really, I'd already had a bunch of different surgeries okay. for my okay. cancer since the first diagnosis. Sure. And then I had a recurrence and I had yeah. to have more surgery. Sure, yeah. And then I had another recurrence. And that time I was living here in North Carolina. Okay, sure. And they did, I had to do some really challenging chemo that's kind of like the standard that everybody with ovarian cancer goes through, um, okay. which is just like six rounds of what they call Taxol and carboplatin. Sure. And you take these drugs intravenously, right? And yep. You know, these are more of the stereotypical cancer drugs where you lose your hair uh, yeah. and, um, you know, you feel nauseous and stuff like that. But it is important to remember that, like, every kind of cancer drug that I've been on at any point has different side effects. So that's yeah. not that's definitely not even the norm with cancer anymore. People yeah. can have really different experiences. But basically, um, I had to go to the doctor one day and they had to tell me that. The chemo didn't work. My kind of really rare ovarian cancer is called low-grade serous carcinoma. It's only like 4% of ovarian cancers. Oh, wow. And most people are diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Like the average age is like around 63. Okay. So in someone so young, I was, I was 29 at the oh, time. Wow, yeah. And so it was really shocking for the doctors, but... The real problem is that this kind of rare cancer I have is called low grade and that it's good in that it grows a little slower than some of the other kinds of cancers. Okay, sure. But it's really bad because <laughs> all of the medicines, almost all of them that treat cancer involve trying to get to the fastest growing cell. Right. Yeah. So that seems to be to me at least a, a college freshman at odds with one oh, another. Really smart college freshman. I already know that. Oh well, thank you, thank you. I mean, what can I say? And almost sophomore, yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, those seem to be at odds with one another. Yes. So the problem is, is that often, and you don't even really know this as a patient, but like sometimes they'll give you certain drugs to take that, like you know, there's like maybe a thirty percent chance that it'll work. And that's just not the way, like, science will tell us, okay, in 30% of the people, this works. Right, and yeah. It, and you don't really get it presented to you like that necessarily. No. Because it's the standard of care treatment. It's right. what they do for everybody with this disease. Sure. sure. And so they weren't that surprised that it didn't work. But I was because it was really hard to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, I'm like, it didn't even work. <laughs> I did all this and that's it yeah because I was still trying to work at the time and I was Goodness. like I was so sick and you know of course you're you're bald and you look sick and everybody's kind of weird to you it's yeah, a very yeah. strange strange way to live for a while um, and this campus can be huge and I was always trying to like run all over it and yes. get everything done and I was just exhausted yeah and so I had this one day at the doctor where they had to say, like, and I was by myself, which was even harder. And, you know, they said, I'm so sorry, but, like, there are no treatment options left for you. That's horrifying. And I was, let's see, at that time I was 34 years old, 34, 35. Sure. And I was, like, left for dead by medical science. They, they said, okay, there's nothing else we can do. You need to prepare for your death. And, you know, that's one thing 
Right. But then to help prepare the people that love you yeah. for your death yeah. is like a whole nother level. Literally. And it's it's also just it's just it's a lot to wrap your head around, but then you immediately are thinking, okay, I got I got to get on to like doing things that matter yeah. to me. Yeah. Because I don't know how much time I have left. Right. You know, My and goodness. like you always see in TVs and movies that they give you like, oh, you have this long to live. Right. Yeah. But most cancer doctors will not tell you that because there aren't very good. You know, the science doesn't really tell us an answer. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's all guesses. Yeah. So I didn't really know how much time I had left, but I just decided, OK, well, I'm not dead yet. Sure. And I have always embraced ever <laughs> since. That whole, okay, I'm not dead yet. That's my, that's my saying. You know, I have shirts that say it. I'm like, I went on my, my not dead yet tour. And so my tour involved just some crazy stuff. I learned how to whitewater kayak. That's so cool. For the fourth time, when when I had cancer for the fourth time. And I was like actively sick and bald in Montana. Yeah, why not? I, I learned how to like, I mean, I've made it through class four rapids on, oh. you know, a huge river in Montana, like awesome. the Great Fork. And, um, you know, I got to kind of go visit family and friends who were really important to me. I yeah, stayed in Seattle for a while. I lived in a cabin by myself in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho <laughs> for okay. a while. Yeah. Sure. Just because I thought like... I've never been to Idaho. That looks cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that point, especially, just do it. Why not? And I could afford it. And so I just decided I'm going to run off there for a little. And um, yeah, and then I came back. And I ever since I've been kind of focused on, you know, my life has been about, has always, even my career has been about how to make positive impact and how to help other people do the same. But it's so different once you really are at the end of your life. Yeah. And you have to figure out, okay, how do I make this meaningful? And so for me, it's turned into so many crazy things I can't even imagine. <laughs> things I never could have imagined doing. Sure, yeah. Um, so it's been quite an adventure. Like my my Not Dead Yet tour has included, you know, I've spoken to, I, I work with doctors all the time on, sure, yeah. on patient perspective and helping yeah, them understand yeah you know, what things look like from a patient's perspective. It's so funny because, you know, I have a lot of fancy education and stuff in my background. And sometimes they listen to me because of that. But at the end of the day, the things that I say that are really profound to these doctors are things that anybody who has had as many CT scans as I have can tell you about a CT scan. Absolutely. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's way different being in front of a machine than behind it. Absolutely. (laughs) And so I work with the American College of Radiology. That's one of the things that I do. And um, I, I now for the first time, this is, this is kind of, kind of, I can't believe it, but I actually am a medical researcher. That's awesome. That's so cool. I'm not a doctor. I never went to medical school. Um, But as a patient, one day on Twitter, I posted, okay, um, I think think the exact words were something like, I'm going to focus on racial disparities this next year. Does anybody want to, you know, who's in? Yeah, yeah. And a doctor in New York City who is amazing got back in touch with me. And we have started um, this project. It's called racial, it's called 
it's actually titled it has a big it has one of those big long epic right. medical yeah, yeah, titles yeah. Sure. like centering the marginalized voices of black patients with gynecological cancer oh yeah that sounds very medical journal right? yeah absolutely and so what's really exciting is we're basically taking um you know the, these patients who often face really terrible racial disparities in their care and yeah. sometimes it's directly because of racism in the system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes it's because of things like, you know, there are different um, kinds of genetic factors that are more common in certain populations and stuff. Sure, and so sure, that can yeah. cause racial disparities. There are different things that cause them. But what we're really working on is how do you think racism itself and racial bias, implicit racial bias, has impacted your cancer care? And so basically what we're doing is we're starting with the people most affected, these patients, and we're, and we're directly doing focus groups to listen to them to say, how, how have these things affected your care and your life? And then what we're going to build to try to solve the problem is completely based on what we learned from them. You know, we're not like setting up, here's what we're going to do, and this is the solution. We're literally starting with listening. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's really exciting. We just got our first grant last week. Amazing. Congratulations. Oh, wow. Cornell has already said, you're cool. Yeah, That's a big big stamp, too. It is. So, I mean, so I'm leading a medical research project. So cool. Yeah, why not? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I've I've spoken to, you know, I've been a keynote speaker at um, you know, radiology conferences. I've sure. spoken to medical students all over Michigan, especially. And um, you know, I just did a conference two weekends ago that was that was a amazing national conference about how patients can connect to research. And um it's just kind of it's kind of like the thing that's been magical is my like my purpose in life was was I, I thought it was one thing, but then I realized that all my skills can kind of I can use them in a different way sure, yeah. for a different purpose. And so, you know, but but all the things that I've done have been so kind of bizarre and unbelievable, you know, like like who thinks about like a you know, I was like late thirties and overweight from cancer treatment and bald and literally sick from treatment. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to, you know, fight these rapids. Why not? You know? And so I think, I think what's important sometimes is like, how do we challenge our mind and our body to remember that like, we really still can do things. And with our bodies, especially, you know, I can, I have lost all or part of my left ovary, left fallopian tube, right ovary, right fallopian tube, omentum appendix, cervix, uterus, vagina, rectum, many pieces of of large intestine, and so many lymph nodes you can't imagine. So, like, my body is physically different. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so what I think is so cool is, like, you kind of, when you're disabled, you have to kind of sometimes try to turn it on its head and remember that my body's amazing because it can do so many things despite all those challenges. Absolutely, you yeah. Know? And it's it's hard because it's so different, and sometimes you just wish to be your old self. Oh, sure. But um, you really you really have to try to think about it like that because 
it's definitely, you know, there's a lot that you can do. And I think, um, you know, for a lot of us, cancer, terminal cancer especially, you know, and I've been terminal for, like, I guess almost seven years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, my expiration date was a long time ago. Right. But, like, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> so would you consider, is this a, another stop on your not dead yet tour? Totally. Amazing. Absolutely. Oh, I'm honored to be a part <laughs> then. That's amazing. Well, congrats on not being dead yet. You. I think there's a lot of beauty in that, and in, in that being like the the slogan and the tagline is. Yeah, you're not dead yet, too. No, no, I'm not. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that are possibilities if you think about it that way. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I really like that. Thank you. Oh man, now I got to figure out if you're lying. <laughs> See, that sucks. Now you pulled at my heartstrings. Well, that is that is lovely though. That is well, lovely. It's a little- I mean, people people challenge me a lot on it because they think it's too, you know, they think it's inappropriate or these are things you're not supposed to talk about. You know, I'm often, you know, I'm, I think of myself as like a pretty, you know, kind and appropriate person. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's really important to be honest and direct about some of these things, you know, um, that are really about life and death. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll... I, I do get a lot of crap sometimes <laughs> for, for the slogan and things like that because people say, you know, that's that's like that's too harsh. Like, you know, people always want you to be so positive right. about everything. Like, no, you're not going to die. Can't You're going to fight cancer. To the, I don't fight cancer. No. Cancer is like literally some random cells in my body that decided to do something different. You know, there's no, yeah, it's not a, a fight it's in. A it's war. a yeah. I live with cancer, yeah. right? You're and bad so, roommates. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole thing of like, you know how people always say like they lost their battle to cancer. I think it's the most insulting thing you could ever say, yeah. because like at least it's a tie. The cancer is definitely dead. That's true. Right? That's true. Yeah. And it's also just this idea that like. We have so much control over things that we don't really. Like, oh, you, you, you know, saying like you lost your battle. First of all, is like they, they're, they're dead from it. That feels insensitive. And to also be like, you know, if only you had tried hard. Like, yes. it kind of, it kind of inspires that thought. And that's clearly not true. Absolutely. It's wow. like, do you think for a second that any of those people who like had one and done cancer, like that they're like more impressive than somebody who's been like living with it for years and has right. been going through treatment like 10 times as long. It's so absurd. It's like, oh, no, you won. You're awesome. And this other person, meanwhile, is like surviving every day. Right. Yeah. You know, so I think I think there's a lot of misconceptions, but I just hate how people are so, you know, sometimes we call it toxic positivity. Sure. Yeah. And there's also, I don't know, but people like you who haven't had cancer, we would like call you cancer muggles. You know? Uh, I like it. I like it. And there's a lot of things we say about cancer muggles that are kind of like, you know, "Ah, it's just cancer muggle talk, you know? Yeah. Because it's true because it's just this kind of, this kind of like you can win if you try hard enough. Absolutely. There's very much a shared experience there. Yes. uh, Among people who have had cancer that, that, you know, someone like me is not a part of. Absolutely. And so I think for me, it also kind of goes back to how I got diagnosed because like 
that harrowing experience that happened to me in Nicaragua, it was so scary, but like it connected me for the first time to like everybody else who has had a scary medical problem like that and has had to be scared in a hospital by themselves, you know, that immediately made it, it put me in a club. Yeah, sure. You know, and that was really powerful because it just, you know, it's like it's like one of those things in life that no matter how different you are from other people. Yeah. If you share that. You're 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 similar. Absolutely. Absolutely are similar. And so it's just it's always funny to think back to that moment. And like when when I first heard that I had cancer, you know, and I'm just in this place alone and I'm hearing it in Spanish and I'm thinking, is this actually, you know, like what they're saying? Right. Am I mistranslating it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but you know, it it goes back to that moment. And ever since that moment, I've been a survivor. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like when we say cancer survivor, what we really mean is somebody who's from the moment they get diagnosed until they're dead, they're a survivor. So I just have to tell you also this little fun fact. Sure. Please. Anybody was born with ovaries or if you care about anybody that was born with ovaries. So that, I think, includes every human being. I would argue so, yeah. Right? Yep. So you need to know these four symptoms of ovarian cancer because it is one of those diseases that there isn't a test for. Like when you go for your regular exam every year, they don't, there's no test for it. So this is something where you have any of these symptoms, you just go to the doctor and get it checked out. Absolutely. So the symptoms are pelvic or abdominal pains, okay. bloating, sure. feeling full quickly, like you ate, like you're really hungry, but you ate only a little bit and you're full. Interesting. Okay. And any kind of urinary issues, like you have, you have to pee all the time. You can't pee. Right. Sure. Anything, anything weird. And so it's basically like if you have any of those symptoms that are new or unusual and last for like two weeks. Don't panic. Just go to the gynecologist. You know, don't panic. Just get it checked out because those are the symptoms of ovarian cancer. And almost all of us had some of them and weren't listened to. Of course. Before yeah. we were diagnosed. Like before I even went to Nicaragua, like for the year before, I was going to the doctor saying something is wrong with me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting. It's like it's how well we know our bodies too. Yeah. So stuff like that. This is so scary. That's amazing. It's just important to know. Yeah, so. good to know. Yeah. Everybody, listen up. If you experience any of those four symptoms, new or different, for two weeks or longer, go get it checked out. Just please. Check it out and just advocate for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody else is really going to do it. You have to be your own advocate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if someone you love is complaining about one of those symptoms. You know, if they were complaining about, you know, that their heart, they thought they were having a heart attack, you would take them to the doctor. But for some reason, some of these symptoms, people just think, oh, it's no big deal. Right. Yeah. But you still need to follow up and go to the doctor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good little PSA. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I can't help it. It's just in me. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to (laughs) complain. Amazing. Well, fascinating. Those are both amazing stories. I... I don't even know where to start because both are so intense. I mean, like you have your one story where you are, you know, in, you know, in a medical emergency, having to be rushed off of an island by boat in in a foreign country, speaking a language that you are, that is a foreign language to you that you know, but still. And then your other one is this like 
heartwarming, like uplifting story of like living with terminal cancer for seven years and then being on this like big tour and and you're you know now a, a medical researcher and all those are so fascinating i i don't even know where to start because i i love both of them right and it's similar yeah. similar to to you know most of the stories is i want both to be true because <laughs> i think both are amazing <laughs> thank you thank you i think it's important to remember that you know even things in life that are really challenging you know they teach you amazing lessons and they can propel you in totally different directions than you thought possible absolutely i'm so i'm so fascinated and i kind of part of me just wants to like jump like i, I want to guess to get it out of the way to jump to like <laughs> talking about it because they're both so fascinating i don't know i mean it's so tough because both you know they're, they're both very compelling in and of itself and they're very like you know, you know, every story that, you know, that we get on here, it's just like, it's a lot of like serendipity. You're like, yeah, why wouldn't that happen? But that's like kind of the point of the show. So it's not really a good, a good <laughs> me metric, you know? Oh man. I think, here's what I think. I think that there, I think that you have one completely true story and one story with some truth in it that, that has been like warped and changed in, in some significant way. Right. And I think just just from I think the fact that you tied the two stories together is also amazing that you've like made them <laughs> contingent on each other. It's so fascinating. I think you know, I'm going to stick with this. I think that the Nicaragua story is is not true. And I'll and I'll I'll yeah, why? Yeah, I'll touch on that. I think well, first of all. I when I knew you were going to be one of my guests, right? And I didn't know a ton about you. The first place that I went, which as like a lot of people do, is like let's try, let's check social medias, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so as I was, you know, roaming around on your social media, which is the on your Twitter in particular, which is awesome by the way, like super cool stuff on there. I did see the not dead yet in your bio. Oh, you did? I did. Okay. I saw that hashtag at the end of your bio, okay. which I was like, that part is at least true. Okay. And I know that you had done a lot with. Um, racial or talked a lot about racial disparities disparities in cancer medication and cancer treatment, and so those parts to me are are, are true, yeah. right? And and that's amazing, by the way. Congrats, thank awesome, you. very thank cool. Um, I know you're you're a speaker and you speak a lot of places. And second story is just so like it's so vibrant and so like <laughs> it so matches like your personality you. and how I see you as like having this big mindset change and like. Going to live in Idaho, like for no reason, is is awesome. <laughs> and from you know, even just from this like conversation, I could totally see that happening. And that's not to say that I I think the Nicaragua. I don't you know. It's not that the Nicaragua story I find untrue. It's that I find that second story so compelling. Oh, that's nice. And I and I want to believe it. Like I I I think partially it's like I want that second story to be true so bad. <laughs> I mean, although I, I do have terminal cancer in that second story, oh, that does kind of suck. No, of course, definitely <laughs> miserable. But like, <laughs> well, now, yeah, I mean, that is a good point. Okay, yeah. But like, the mindset about it is is so good, and it, it does you. match the way that you've like you you know you just come off and you just come off so it's so vibrant and so excited to to be here, which is like kind of as you said, like not dead yet. I don't know. I mean. I, I like the Nicaragua story. I believe that you probably went to Nicaragua. I, that sounds true. But I don't know. Just something about that second story feels so true and feels so, like, personal. 
not that you couldn't, not that I don't think you could come up with it, because like I've, I've, you know, continue to be impressed with with how good people are at lying to me, and I, I fear that I will be here in a second. Um, but it's, you know, it's just that's so, you know, so impressive, and it's such a good mindset thing. So I guess that will be my final guess. I believe that some major part of that Nicaragua story is untrue, and that that is your false story, and that all of this about your your journey and your, you know, your four cancer diagnoses and and this like mindset and and tour, not dead yet tour, which is an amazing, like I love that so much. I think I'm gonna will it into existence. I'm gonna say that second story <laughs> is true. That is my final guess. Hey, you wanna know? Yeah. Are you ready? No, yes. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. okay. You're right. You're one and one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You okay. got one, so you did wow. it. You didn't fail this whole. <laughs> I, that's all I wanted. As you long as I've win. got, as long as I've got something in the win column. No, you're amazing. Totally right, so amazing. The actual truth is that I got cancer for the first time about two and a half weeks after I got back from that Nicaragua oh trip. <laughs> oh wow! And so I kind of told you the story of my nightmare. Because uh, yeah. I constantly was thinking when it when I first got sick, I constantly right. was thinking, oh, my goodness, thank goodness it didn't happen. <laughs> <In Nicaragua. laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's still so true that those students helped me through it. It's still oh, yeah. so true that they were so wonderful and supportive and stuff. But um, but, yep, that's the truth. Wow. I didn't actually find out then. I found out when I was in Denver yeah, yeah so of course. It's also this is also a messed up story oh, good. but the real truth is i was in denver at a conference okay sure and i was about to go down and i was like speaking at the breakfast plenary which is not fancy at all Heather. Oh, it sounded like, very fancy it sounds fancy and it's an honor to be included in the program <laughs> oh uh, yeah but <laughs> it's basically the time when everybody's super hungover and they're like fighting. Uh, they're like fighting over the the good type of bagel cream cheese. Yeah, that you know sounds about I mean? right. No, from from the few conferences that I've like tangentially attended. Yeah, breakfast is the sluggish time. So it's not the best spot. Sure. But I was I was reaching down to get my bag and I felt that pain. And so oh, then wow. I ended up in the ambulance and off to the hospital and that stuff. But what truly happened was they really did cut me open hip to hip and oh, all that happened. Goodness. And and basically when I was alone in the room in Denver by myself, because I lived in San Francisco at the right. time. Wow. They, the nurse comes in. She checks my vitals and she says to me, I'm so sorry to hear you have cancer. Uh, and nobody had even told me it was a possibility. That's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like nobody had even said. You might. We might have. You, we might find tumors or something like that. No, everybody said, "Oh, it's just a super easy little little operation." Like, this is just post the like torsion it's operation take that no it was supposed time to be. At all. Oh my! And so she, on accident, told me that I had cancer. Oh wow! And if, I was just by myself for the next couple hours with no contacts in in sitting Denver with that information. Yeah, and being like. Is that true? Is that, <laughs> what is is this the world's worst April Fool's joke? <laughs> Did she just say that? Right. It, was she talking to someone else? Yep. That is horrifying. So I feel like if I'm her, <laughs> that's I. I don't know that I can ever go work at that hospital again. Like I think I, I gotta leave. I she never knew. She never knew. She never knew. If you were a nurse at the Denver Hospital, <laughs> bless in, her heart. In 2008, 
and you told a woman that you <laughs> apologized that she had cancer after she had had what was supposed to be a torsion operation. This is for you, by the way. Absolutely. So, yeah. So it still was completely crazy. But thank goodness it did not happen in Nicaragua because yeah. I definitely yeah. would have had to be evacuated on a speedboat. Absolutely. That's terrifying. What a crazy it was. So so Dr. Zach, I have to ask, yeah. he's still a real person, still a, a doctor person an absolutely wonderful doctor. Uh, got dengue fever. I, yes. really oh, got dengue fever. <laughs> oh, I have no. seen him. I have seen him. I saw him the last time, like four years ago. Wow. He was at UCSF. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, super talented. Wow. Yeah. So that's all real. And I really did have to go to the hospital with him and everything. But but I just forever since then, I've always been like, thank goodness it wasn't when I was in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so fair. My family, you can just imagine, my family oh, yeah. would have lost their mind. Oh, horrifying. <laughs> You're going there to like help with medical practices and to like that's if that's your stated goal and then you have to have these medical practices done on like that's <laughs> horrifying not oh my goodness well i'm very glad that that didn't happen obviously absolutely wow absolutely. that's amazing and then all so all this all this you know not dead yet tour and and all these living these experiences this mindset change is true which oh just, i mean warms my heart oh, honestly good. i'm glad i could give you a good one in that way i just it's true. It's like life teaches you so many things through all the challenges. And I wouldn't wish any of the bad stuff on anybody. But, right. you know, but I do think that, like, one of the important things is that struggle can give you meaning, yeah, right, absolutely. in your life. Yeah. And that's really good for our mental health to to have meaningful things to do. And so for me, that's what I've been trying to work on ever since. And so even though I'm disabled and even though I can't, have like my normal career that I used to be really good at. I sure. I now have to find these other ways to make impact. And sometimes it happens just through Twitter and random things like that. Not? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And so you have adventures and you just live your life as much as you can because we none of us know how much time we have. Everybody live your life as much as you can. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that so much. Thank you. Wow, That's awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break so you can listen to my two stories. We'll be right back with Amanda's guess as to which of my two stories is true. Hey, real quick, while Amanda is listening to my stories, if you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening, whether that's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcast, so you'll never miss an episode. Also, just so that you all remember my two stories, here's a quick Recap. In my first story, I had a friend get his hand crushed by the blinds in his dorm room on the night before one of my finals, and I had to take him to the hospital that night, then almost slept through my final the next day. In my second final, I got to talking to a potential friend in a pre-college Zoom event, only to find out that it was her mom pretending to be her, but it still worked out because her mom recommended to her daughter that we be friends. All right, with all that out of the way, let's jump back into the action. So, Amanda, you've just heard my two stories. What are your initial thoughts? Okay, so I really love that these are like just a slice of college life. Oh, absolutely. These are so wonderful in that way. I feel so young listening <laughs> and um, remembering the little haphazard craziness sure, of sure. communal living. Sure. <laughs> of course, <laughs> right? yeah. And I've definitely, I was so endeared to you before I even met you because... 
I totally remember that feeling of like, please let me make a friend in this first thing. (laughs) Please let me have one person I can like email or follow up with or say hi to on campus or whatever it is, Um, because that is such an overwhelming feeling. And during the pandemic, I can't even imagine it. Yeah, it was it was true. Like I I knew, you know, for a few friends of mine from high school or, or from, you know, outside who were going to state. But yeah. even then I was like I was like, I haven't seen these people in in, you know, six months. And now I'm gonna go like, oh hey, remember in eleventh grade? Like we're way past that at this point. So yeah, no, absolutely I mean that was it was such a big thing, but you know, they, Obviously, it worked out in a very interesting way. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, absolutely. That was a big part of it for absolutely. me. Absolutely. So I loved both of the stories. So in the yeah. first story, I'm wondering, tell me again kind of the timeline. I'll do my best. I know that Just, that's what everyone has come back to. And I, yeah, I yeah. get that. You know, and you got to, you know, everybody's like dissecting, which is totally fair. And that's yeah, like the point yeah. of the show. Um, if if I rem- recall, sure. right, from, from all the timeline, it was um, a little past midnight when uh, I got the call from Justin yeah. that um, that he had dropped the blinds on his hand, which <laughs> is such a funny sentence. Um, and it would have been it would have been we we called uh, the NC State like injury hotline pretty soon after. And I think we would have left here. It would have been close to to one. Got to the urgent care and then were sent to the. Uh, emergency room, it would have been, she's like 2, 2.30. Okay, yeah. um, and then I think I, I remember leaving the hospital like a ra- right around 4. Because oh, I remember yeah. I got back here. I got back here at like 4, 4.25, I think, 4.30 Absolutely. maybe. Um, and your exam the next day? My exam was, oh, geez, I want to say it was, was it a 2.30 exam? Okay. I think. Totally. Yeah, I mean that was I, I loved my econ class, but I was not worried about that exam. I'd, I could have totally written that email and been like, "I'm so sorry, <laughs> professor. I'm not gonna be there." I just uh, you don't seem like that guy. Uh, no, no, you don't think so. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you don't seem like, like that guy that would have written the email no. about, especially about a final. Oh, no. I'm just saying that doesn't sound like you at yeah, all. No, I w- oh I would you know that was my thought was like that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> It's like for even for me, I don't really want to, you know. Absolutely. Okay. And then tell me about the first time you met Grace in person. I met Grace in person Mm would have been a while because of COVID. We were only on campus for four weeks. Um, And then we got kicked off first semester. And so I had a class uh, that that Grace was in, a Ben Franklin Scholars Program class. Um, and so I, you know, would speak to her occasionally in class, uh, just in discussion, not a lot casually. Um, and it would have been early second semester, I think. I think when I met her in person after, you know, we she was in my um, she was in my engineering 101 class that we did. We flipped engineering 102 and 101 with the hopes of having engineering 101 in person. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, so it was, a, you know, a weird thing. But no, so we had the same engineering 101 class. And so we would occasionally chat, you know, privately while that was going on and just talk about the class. And I think it was after some some like project related to that class. Uh-huh. Um, we, you know, she said that she was going to tally with a few friends. And I, you know, it was such a weird thing. She was like, oh, I'm going to go to tally. But it like wasn't an invitation. <laughs> but it wasn't not an invitation. 
And so I, I messaged her and I was like, are you inviting me? And she was like, I don't know. And I'm like, that's not helpful. And so, you know, I ended up going. I'm like, well, I'm inviting myself. Um, it's and just so, Tally. You're yeah. allowed to go to Tally. Yeah, I'll be a Tally. But I mean, you know, it was whatever. And so I think, yeah, that was the first time that we had met in person. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and we started hanging out more after that. And then it, it was, man, maybe... Maybe like a week or two after that. Okay. Um, that she she messaged me and told me that she had the story to tell me. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so I'm ready to guess. Okay. Please, yeah, by all means. Okay, with all of my heart. Okay. I really want the story with Grace to be true. Yeah. And so I am picking that one. Okay. So you think that one is true? I love Grace's mom. Yeah. I totally know that mom. <laughs> I, working in higher education for oh, all yeah. the years I have, Absolutely. I totally know that mom. <laughs> and I can see the conversation going like, mom, I have to go do this thing. And mom is like, but you're in this Ben Franklin Scholars program and you're going to miss <laughs> this important, important oh, like, man. event. Yeah, and yeah. Was, mom was probably freaking out. And she was like, listen, I got to go to work. What can I possibly do? Sure. But you can't miss it. Blah, blah, blah. And so they came <laughs> up with. Right, this, I'm this just going to not go yeah. on video and I'll just pretend to be you. Makes sense. And I especially love that it was like, you you need to be friends with this kid, Cutter. That is so <laughs> sweet. And my yeah. mom, definitely, when I, when I went to college orientation sure. at George Washington University in, two, in 1997. Sure, sure. A million years ago. What year were you born? Uh, I was born in 2002. So yes. you were out <laughs> so of you were out of undergrad years ago. before I was born. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so basically that I remember going to orientation and literally my mother meeting other parents <laughs> and saying and she said the opposite. My mom said there's this boy who his mother still calls to wake him up every morning. That's, I mean, that's definitely a, do not hang out with him. <laughs> I agree with your mom on that one. That's a big no go for me. <laughs> it was like, she was like, this kid is such a mama's boy. He cannot even handle <laughs> like <Man>. waking up. <laughs> wow. That is intense. So, yeah. So she told me the opposite. So I can, I totally know that mom. Sure, sure. I think Grace is adorable. So oh, yeah. please tell her, pass this on. I will, if, if she indeed exists, I will okay. let her know. I like the Grace story. You like the Grace story? You're, I love it. Oh, I, I do too. Are you kidding I me? I love it. It's phenomenal. All right, so that is your guess. You're the, the second person who's guessed that story. I wonder if this is going to be. I don't know. It didn't influence me. I listened to Maddie's um, conversation with you, and it didn't influence me. I thought this beforehand. Sure. But then it was just, it's just something about, I don't know. It's just so cute. I just want it to be true because... Grace and her mom that. are just adorable. Sure, absolutely. And, and there's something, the other story for me is just, it's just great, but it's like, and I believe that pieces of it are true. Sure. But I just don't think the whole thing's true. Fair. I think that's yeah. very fair. Well, we shall see when okay, comes season's end. Thank you. <laughs> well, that'll do it for this episode Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. I think we learned that while you didn't get diagnosed in Nicaragua, you almost did, but you've still gone on this amazing journey that I think we can all take a great inspiration from. Uh, so thank you for joining me. Where can listeners find more of you? You can follow me on Twitter. It's actually Michigan Should Talk, like M-I should talk. And on Instagram, you can find me at M-I, like Michigan, Manda, M-A-N-D-A. 
And on Instagram, you can especially see my art, which I make and sell crazy handmade cards um, that are all unique. I've never made two alike. And that's another thing that I do with my Not Dead Yet time. Amazing. (laughs) So you make, like, cards. I make cards. That's awesome. Really wacky ones with lots and lots of, like, collages and, you know, lots of, like, paint and ink and all sorts of stuff. Fascinating. (laughs) Amazing. We learned something more even after those two amazing stories. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This was so much fun, and I wish you the best, and I feel like we've known each other for years. Uh, I do too. It's been an honor. (laughs) That will do it for this episode. Our intro music is Pop Nugget off of Compositions 2, used under the Creative Commons license found on Free Music Archive. Our outro music is Vintage News off of Production Music, used under the Creative Commons license, also found on Free Music Archive. I've been Cutter. This has been You'll Never Believe Me But. And thank you all for listening. Good day and good night.